But are the disciples here today? No. So who's to carry out Christ's commission? We are. We are believers. We are called to witness. We are commanded to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We see there, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. As we go, the Lord is with us as we go. But we are called, and the call to witness is a command from God. Letter B, I want you to see there are three aspects of making disciples. Because that's what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to make disciples. There are many churches and many people that are very good at one of these three, but that's not the full, the Great Commission entails these three things. Number one, we are supposed to go and make disciples. We got to go. It's our job to go. We need to go. When's the last time you went and told someone about Jesus Christ? We are supposed to go. We see that from the scriptures very clearly. Not only are we supposed to go and get them the gospel, but secondly, after they receive the gospel, they need to get baptized. That's part of it. Some churches are very good at going and winning, and I don't even like using the word winning, but that's what we call it, really. Going and winning, but they leave it there. That's not the full Great Commission. The Great Commission is to go, to baptize them, and then thirdly, to teach them the things of God. That's God's plan for reaching this world. That's God's plan for making disciples. What happens is as churches, we're good at going and getting them saved, or maybe even getting them saved and baptized, and then we leave them to fend for themselves, and that's where Christians get off. The command from God in the Great Commission is to go, baptize, and teach them. And that's an important thing for us to see. So as we look tonight, we see number one, the call to evangelism. The call here, it's a command. And what is the three aspects of that command? To go, win disciples, to baptize them, and to teach them the doctrine. Number two tonight, what is the good news of evangelism? It is the gospel of Jesus Christ is what it is. Now you might say, well, pastor, that's very simple and duh, we know that. Well, there are a lot of people that don't get the gospel. The gospel is not complicated. It's not hard to understand. The gospel of Jesus Christ is very important. And as we look at this and as we study this out, first of all, letter A, we see what is the gospel. And if someone were to ask me tonight, what is the gospel? I would take them to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 and 4. And that's what Paul said. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. I love how Paul says, I delivered unto you what I've received. And this is, what is the gospel? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, he was buried, and he rose again the third day. That is the gospel. Pure plain and simple. Number one is that Christ died for our sins. The good news, the gospel, very simply is that Christ died for our sins. Number two, Christ was buried. His burial matters. He was buried. He died. He was buried. And then thirdly, Christ was raised again or rose again the third day. That is the gospel. It's important to understand what the gospel is. And as we talk about these things, and as we look deeper into them, and we look at them tonight, 
I want you to see just some things as we look at this. So we see number three, that Christ rose again. And as we look at it, let's look at letter B tonight. We're not to be ashamed of the gospel. Paul said that, remember? Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then what did Paul do? He took the book of Romans and he showed us what the gospel's all about. And we went through and we studied the book of Romans. And Paul, after he says this, he goes through and shows everyone how they're conditioned. They are wicked before God and they need a savior. And so we see this tonight, but as we think about the gospel, the gospel is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we need to be not ashamed of it. We need to tell others about it because it's the power of God unto salvation. It's through the gospel of Jesus Christ and him and him alone. As we look at that tonight, I want you to see number three, and we're moving pretty good, but it's going to slow down here in a minute, just so you know. Number three, I want you to see the essentials of evangelism. What is important? What do we need to know about the gospel? What do we need to know about evangelism? What does it take? What must someone believe about Jesus for salvation? There are a few things. Now, this is what you got to understand. There are those out there that say you have to make Jesus the Lord of your life. That's a doctrine of lordship salvation. I do not believe that you have to make him lord of your life because then you're doing something once again. Now, over time and as you grow as a Christian, he should be lord of your life. He deserves to be lord of your life. He should have number one priority in all of our lives. But when we look at this, what must someone believe about Jesus for salvation? This is important. I was out soul winning with someone a while back. It's been several years now. But as we did that, we went out we got to this door, and this lady was a, um, was a either Jehovah Witness or Mormon, one of the two. And so this guy that I was going souling with, he's very big on getting people to pray a prayer. Just a little side note for you, and I will dive deeper maybe tonight. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to pray a prayer to get saved. We do that, but nowhere does it say you have to repeat these words after me to be saved. And so, but he was big on that. And so he was talking to this lady, and at the end of the conversation, he had her ready to pray a prayer with him. And then he did something that he shouldn't have done if he wanted her to pray. He's like, here, I'm going to let my pastor pray with you. And I'm like, let's stop the conversation for a second. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Do you? No. She believes that he is, uh, that the devil and them were basically brothers. She started going through this long thing. She did not exalt Jesus Christ in any way. I do not see how, according to the word of God, you possibly can be saved if Jesus is not God. What you believe about Jesus matters. There's a man that I know that comes to our church every once in a while. His wife might even be sitting in the room here. I remember when I talked to him several years ago, he made the comment, he said, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus. And I told him, we really can't go any further with that thought. And I loved it. What was it, a year or two ago, he called me on the phone. He's like, I just realized that Jesus is the Son of God. You got it. He answered it. I don't think he needed to pray a prayer. He did. But I think he got it figured out. But you got to understand, if we talk about what must someone believe about Jesus for salvation, you got to believe that Jesus is God. You have to. 
The Bible says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, someone doesn't have to have a deep Bible knowledge to get saved. They're not going to. Because this is the thing, a carnal man cannot, a natural man cannot understand the spiritual things. But there has to be some things that are acknowledged. You're acknowledging the fact, not only that Jesus is God, but number two, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to God. Because what society and what religion tells us today is, you can get to God by being a good person. You can get to God getting baptized. You can get to God by doing this or doing that. That is not what the Bible says. The Bible is very clear and simple that Jesus is the only way, he's the only truth, and he's the only life, and the only way you're getting to heaven is through Jesus Christ, because he's the only one that's going to get you to God. That's Bible salvation. And to preach or teach anything else goes against what you got to believe about Jesus. That's why what is repentance all about? It's not a turning from your sin. It's turning from what you believed and acknowledging, I can't do this on my own. Jesus is the way. That's what it's talking about. It's acknowledging that. And for salvation, when it comes to what must you believe about Jesus for salvation, you must believe that he's God, believe he's the way, the truth, and the life. And this kind of redundant, number three, but Jesus is the only way of salvation. There is no other way. There are many roads that lead to hell, but one road that leads to heaven. And I'll hear people often, oh, I'll get to heaven my way and you'll get there your way. No, 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 no. There's one way. Every other road's going someplace you don't want to go. Jesus is the key. What someone believes about Jesus determines their salvation. Jesus and Jesus only. Does that make sense? I think it does. And so, and Acts 4.12, this was, remember, this was Peter preaching this to all those that crucified Jesus. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's Jesus and Jesus only. So we see what someone must believe about Jesus for salvation. Let me give you some key verses in sharing the gospel. People need the Bible. The Bible is key. Let me give you some, let me give you some Brianology for a second. In the pulpit, we need more Bible. In our sharing of the gospel, we need more Bible. The Word of God is what we need. We need way less of us and our opinions and our thoughts, and we need a lot more of God's Word. So some key verses in sharing the gospel. I would encourage you to memorize these verses. And I know there are people out there, I could never memorize them, write them down and have them somewhere. Have them handy on your phone. I told you before, there's an app that I use called Commission. Lancaster Baptist Church put it out, and it literally has the gospel right there, and you can show people right with your phone. It's called Commission. It's a great little tool, and it also has several different languages. So you might not speak um, Chinese, but you could show them that and let them read it. Just a little thought there. So Commission is the name of that app. And so some of the key verses, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you notice, a lot of these verses come from Romans. That's why someone called it the Romans road for salvation. I think you get saved with other passages of Scripture, but Romans, Paul lays it out pure, plain, and simple there. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, which means no one is perfect. Number two there, Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. Whenever I give this verse out, I always I ask them where they work. Get them engaged. 
and I say at the end of the week or every two weeks, you get paid wages for the work you do. So for the sin that we commit, we get paid for it. And that payment we get is death. And if the verse ended there, we'd all be men most miserable. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, 8, that God commendeth, or God displayed his love to us. He loved us so much, and that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. What a great verse. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 2, verse 24, Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, whose stripes ye are healed. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 9, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I don't think it gets any more simple than that, does it? You confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and you're saved. It doesn't say you've got to pray the sinner's prayer. It says you believe, and you confess Jesus Christ, and believe it in here. That's what salvation is all about. And do you see how the death, burial, and resurrection is all mentioned basically right there? That's what the gospel is. Next, and then, but as many as receive in them, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. And just some key verses. I would take those verses. There are other verses as well, but those are great verses there to take and to use. And then I want to give you just some thoughts when it comes to evangelism, just some truths that most people don't understand and that they have a hard time grasping. I would even say that a lot of Baptists have a hard time with some of these. And it's so funny because you'll have, I wouldn't, I am not, I would not consider myself a Calvinist. And Baptists would have, a, would get, you would get in big trouble to, to say you agreed with anything with Calvinism. But one area that we as Baptists, I do believe, get a little bit wrong is the area of total depravity. There is nothing in that and of ourselves that could get, be good and get to God. We're dead. So in all reality, that is pretty true right there. Now, there's lots of other things that we could go down free will and lots of other thoughts there that I'm not going to go there. But when we talk about some truths that most people don't understand, the first one I want to give you, number one, is that man cannot save himself. Man cannot. The Bible makes that clear, and we understand that. And uh, the Bible tells us in Mark 10, verse 26 and 27, and they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking unto them, said, with men it is impossible. Do you see that right there? With men it is impossible to get saved, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. You've got to understand, you've got to look in the light of the fact that we are dead. A dead thing cannot do anything. If you're dead, if you talk to a dead body, it's not going to respond to you. Sometimes you're like, that's what my husband's like after he gets off work and sits in his chair and has the football game on. I'm trying to talk to him, and it's no different. But you can't get them to move their arms. You can't get them to do anything. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. So the fact that and you think about how the Bible says that by grace are you saved through faith and that not yourselves is the gift of God, it is the working of God that we even feel any conviction. Because we're dead. We can't fill it up on our own. That's a gift from God. And the fact that God seeks us and all that God does, there's so much more I could say, but you got to understand, man cannot save himself. And most people, when you talk to them about the gospel, they will say, well, I try to do good things. I try to be a good person because we have this idea that we can save ourselves. 
But at the end of the day, man cannot. If man could, there would have been no need for Jesus to ever come. Number two, God is holy and righteous, and he hates sin. People have a hard time understanding that one. God is holy and righteous and hates sin. The Bible says he can't even look upon sin. And that's what, that's what blows my mind when I stop to think about that verse that says, He who knew no sin became sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God hates sin, but Jesus was willing to take our sin on him so that we could be with him forever. How could a holy God send anyone to hell? Ever hear anyone say that? A loving God. How could a loving God ever send anybody to hell? He died for our sins. He made a way possible to escape judgment. But God hates sin. And in all honesty, we should all hate sin too. Look at what it's done to our world. Look at the evil things that are done. It's because of sin. We should all hate sin as well. And make sure you understand, hate sin. God loves sinners. He died for sinners. But God is holy and righteous. He hates sin can't even look upon it. Number three, Jesus Christ is God. People have a hard time with that one. Why they have a hard time with that, I do not know. It's the Bible. It's what it says. They'll admit maybe he was a good guy. They'll even admit he lived. But to say he's God, they don't. A lot of people don't like to accept that. Colossians 2.9 tells us, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That is Jesus Christ. And then next, number four, that Christ's death on the cross was for our sins. That's why he died. He died for our sins. He didn't die because he did anything wrong. He died on the cross for our sins. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. And then number five is the fact that Christ offers heaven as a free gift of God. We have this idea, and mankind has this idea, that we have to earn it. But if we would go back to point number one, we can't save ourselves. We cannot earn it. There is nothing you can do to earn it tonight. Let's keep on going here tonight. Number four some strategies and some helps when it comes to evangelism. I've only got three and we'll be done. As we talk about some strategies for evangelism, number or letter A, witness by your life, the way you live. Now, there are those people out there that just believe in lifestyle evangelism only. I'm not a lifestyle evangelism only guy, but I believe that we should be able to witness by our life. Your coworkers should see something different in you at work. Your family should see something different in a good way, in a good way. The Bible tells us in um, Philippians 2, verse 14 and 15, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke. Look at what it says, In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. That's God's goal for us. He wants you to shine as a light in the darkness. But then why is it that all I hear, and just the other day we hear about another big-name pastor being taken out of the pulpit 
because, and we're not even sure what even happened all there at the Village Church in Texas, a big name. We are not doing a very good job being light in this world. Now, you've got to understand something. This world is a crooked and a perverse place, right? But we're called not to be crooked and perverse. We're called to be light in the midst of it. The Bible tells us in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see what? Your good works. And as they see your good works, they glorify your Father, which is in heaven. We need to witness by our life. Your life matters. Your testimony to your friends matters. Your testimony wherever you are, it matters tonight. I remember those first, first year, first year and a half of pastoring here. I had to work at a, at a, on a dock over here in uh, Mariloma. And I was glad that after, I remember, first couple weeks there, I'm, I'm always the quiet guy at work. I, well, I, I like to be quiet often. I know you don't think that me as a pastor, I like to talk a lot. I like to be quiet. And even I had someone come, a few weeks ago come to me, they're like, you, I don't think you like me. I said, why? You're kind of quiet. I said, that, that means I'm comfortable around you. That's a good thing, okay? That's my normal, I like to be, I like to not have to speak up. I like to be quiet. In the pulpit, I got to do what God called me to do. It's a little different, but... I remember the first couple of weeks of working there, this guy, we were sharing this load and emptying this load together, and these boxes started falling out, and they fell on him, and they fell on me, and he started using every swear word under the sun, and I think I said stink, is what I said. And he looked at me. What do, you, what do you do besides work here? I'm a pastor. His eyes got all big. He never swore around me again say I'm glad that happened that way I'm glad I didn't say anything else I like that at that job all the guys they're showing each other this funny joke on their phone and they're like oh that's the pastor we aren't going to show him that that's a good thing they realized it there needs to be a difference between us and this world and people need to see Christianity in us we need to quit giving God a bad name. Because the closest thing that people see of the Lord today is his children. And his children are not doing a very good job of being light in the midst of the darkness. We are blending in with the darkness. And that shouldn't be that way. So number one, witness by your life. Number two, or letter B, pray. Pray. say pray yep man i hate i hate to admit this but man when i was in bible college my freshman year of bible college every freshman had to take this class called personal evangelism i could be mistaken right now but i'm 99 percent sure i was never taught to pray before i went i was taught how to get them a prayer with me. I can say in the past I was guilty of it a lot too. I would say for a long time I was way better salesman than I was at giving the gospel. I'm not, I've changed that a lot. And that's one thing you, that's, thank God that you grow. Isn't that a good thing? Aren't you glad that the Lord works and that you grow? 
you have not, if you think you've got it all figured out and you're, you've got the whole Christian life figured out, you've got something wrong. You have not got it all figured out. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. We all should be continually growing. And we're going to look at a thought on Sunday morning even. On, we're going into chapter 2 of 1 Peter. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. You know, that's not Hebrews chapter 5 where it talks about the difference between milk and strong meat. It's encouraging all believers to get in the word and to be like a baby and to take the word in and drink it up so you can grow. That's not an age limit there. But anyways, we'll talk more about that on Sunday. Grow with things. I spend way more time praying before I go out than anything else I do anymore. So why would you pray before you go out? Who's the one who does all the work? Not me. The Holy Spirit does. So this is what I know. The Holy Spirit knows who I should talk to, right? He, he does. He knows who is ready for the gospel. He knows what needs to be done. I need to let him lead me and guide me, just like the Word of God. When you read the Bible each day, I would encourage you, I pray every single day from Psalm 119, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. It's God's book. The Holy Spirit moved men, and they pinned the, isn't that what the scriptures tell us? So that means the Holy Spirit knows what's in the Bible, right? You should ask him to help you understand it. When you go out, you should ask him to pray. And isn't it that what Paul said several times? Romans 10, 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Do you know Romans 10, verse number 9? Is that one that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, before he ever gives how to get it done, he's talking about what his heart's desire and what his prayer to God is, that Israel might be saved. We see Colossians 4, verse 3 and 4, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mysteries of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Think about, we've been studying on Sunday nights, the book of Acts. When they pray that God would help them have boldness to proclaim the name of Jesus. We need to pray. And then lastly tonight, you don't need to have a bunch of gimmicks. You don't have to have the perfect, perfect phrases. You don't have to quit worrying about all that you do. And use God's word. Use God's word. Hebrews 4, verse number 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Look what it says here. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know what people need when you are sharing the gospel with them? They need God's word. Use God's word. The Bible tells us in Acts 17, verse 2 and 3, And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them, with his opinions. No, out of the scriptures. Opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. 
He took the scriptures. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3.15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And so tonight, we look at what is evangelism? What are we supposed to do? We are commanded by God to share the good news with those in this world. And we're supposed to reach the world with the gospel. And I, we got to look and understand something. Tonight, we cannot reach China by ourselves from here. We can't reach Hong Kong. We can't reach Ghana, West Africa. We can't reach all these different places. That's why missionaries are important. And that's why what I'm going to do is, as I'm talking about these things, we're going to go, we're going to break down as we go further in doctrine, as we go through, why do we have missionaries? It's a thought some people don't even know. The whole reason we have them is we're supposed to get the gospel everywhere. And if we can't physically go, we can send our money to help them be able to go, and we can pray for them to reach others with the gospel. It's important. Mission work is important. And every Christian should have a part in those things. And not only do we need to reach the world, but we need to reach our Jerusalem and our Judea and our Samaria. And there's so much more I could say in those areas. God's called us to do it. What is the gospel? The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. People need to realize the fact that Jesus is God and he is the only way to salvation. He's the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. And you know, the only way you're going to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Our church can't get them closer to heaven. The baptistry waters can't get them closer to heaven. A relationship with Jesus is the only thing that can get them to heaven. And we need to share the gospel, and we need to go out, and we need to pray before we go, and we need to use God's word, and we need to live a life that people can look at and say, hey, I want what they've got. Because why, don't, why wouldn't people want it? Why wouldn't people want hope? Why wouldn't people want the joy that comes in the Christian life? Why wouldn't people want the Holy Spirit to go through them in life? A lot of times they see other Christians like, I don't want what they've got. If we were a good testimony, I think that could be different. The problem today is not the Holy Spirit, it's not the Lord. They used to say that Christianity was the fastest growing religion. Now they say lots of other things are, and I'm not going to get into all that. I think the big difference, I think something that would help is if we Christians actually lived what we said. I get told often when I go door to door, why should I go to church with all the hypocrites? And I, I have a nice response. I'm like, well, I'm sure you're a little, hip, a little hypocritical too. Just come join us. We'll all be hypocrites together. People don't like that answer, but it's true. But if we could just live more for the Lord and just do, be light. This world needs light. The only way to get rid of darkness is to turn on the light. If you're tripping over stuff in your bedroom, turn the light on. My dad, I told him a while back, he's tripping in his room, like, turn the light on. I'll wake your mom up. Turn the light on. Better than you being on the floor waking her up. Turn the light on so you can see. What this world needs today is more light. Less of us and more of Jesus. Father, I